0: Welcome to that one blank friend podcast. This is your host, me, Sadia Rashid. How are you guys doing? It is the day after the election. We still don't have results. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I was feeling super angsty um, the past 24, 48 hours, and I'm not sure if I feel much better right now. I mean, I I feel hopeful, but still disappointed if that makes any sense. Disappointed that this race is so close, which says, I think, a lot about our country, but I am hopeful that I feel like for a lot of people, the blinders are off and I'm, I'm still crossing my fingers for a good outcome, you guys. I don't know, I don't know what else to do. Pray, cross my fingers, cross my toes, uh, meditate, Um, Yeah, all of it. So that's where I'm at. But I am so happy today to be introducing a guest that for me right now is the epitome of hope because really she's a fighter. Uh, My guest today, Jamie Fox. she is a writer, um, but she has also spent the last few years really struggling with her fertility. And um, thankfully, this story has a wonderful, beautiful outcome. But, you know, I hope that in this time that you will listen to her and you will conjure the fighter in you, because right now we can't give up. We all have to be fighters. Um, So I'm super excited for Jamie to tell you about her journey into freezing her eggs and her issues with endometriosis and how she came out on the other end. So, you guys, here's Jamie. We're recording. Oh. Right. <laughs> Today we have my friend Jamie Fox. Hi, Jamie. Hello. <laughs> um, how, you are in Santa Barbara right now, right?
1: actually we're home now. We're back in Los Angeles. We, oh, okay. We had an epic journey to Sonoma, um, but we're home. Cool, cool, cool. And how, how long were you guys out there? We were in Sonoma for over two months. Okay. Um, we had to move my mother-in-law into a nursing home. And so we tended to her enormous art collections collection slash hoarding situation (laughs) and uh we were very lucky to have that much time to tend to it it was pretty pretty extraordinary oh yeah (laughs) yeah
0: oh well that's good you got you know a little out of the the hubbub of of la for a little bit um so that was nice um doing your pregnancy because jamie's pregnant how exactly how far along are you right now
1: um, we're almost 36 weeks, okay. 35, I'm sorry, almost 35. Yeah.
0: And then what's your due date?
1: Well, it's, that's such a great question. <laughs> whenever, she, whenever she wants to come, it's like August, um,
0: third, I guess. Okay. So we're in July right now, so it's, yeah. it's coming oh, up. <laughs> um, well, I brought Jamie here today because I wanted to really, um, you have such a, interesting, fantastic journey. And I say fantastic because it has ended in your uh, pregnancy or we are now at the part where you are pregnant, But, but it wasn't always that, that journey wasn't easy. So let's start at the beginning. Um, when you decided that you wanted to get IVF now, what brought you, or I'm sorry, not IVF when you decided you wanted to um, what is the correct phrasing when you decided freeze your, to your want- eggs? Yes.
1: when your- you decided you wanted to freeze your eggs. So, so I, yeah, I, I mean, Oh my God, it was probably, it was over five years ago. I am a tall Jewish woman living in Los Angeles and it was not easy to, I mean, I just had been in one bad relationship after another. My, my, my requirements got sh- smaller and smaller. I'm like, can I just find like someone taller than me? <laughs> like, what, you know, um, I'm kidding. That's not true, but no, little, no, it's absolutely
0: true. This is a little true. True. There's,
1: there's a lot of petite <laughs> men out here. He would, like, sit At the restaurant when I'd show up for our date and not stand up until the end of the date. So that it, then it would reveal that he was like, you know, super short. I'm like, don't you think I'm going to know? Like, you can't hide that. But anyway, um, I've, I've dated short men it's fine. But anyways, I had just had a series of like, not great relationships. And I was in a relationship with a guy and I just realized, I mean, the truth of it is, is I just realized I'm like, I don't want to have a kid with like, what am I doing? Like I just really needed to like refocus. And I was not in a good place about the choices that I was making and all that stuff. And then I had kind of along the way, like probably a year prior, I had a lot of people saying to me, you should just freeze your eggs, freeze your eggs. Like it's this easy thing to just go and do like ordering Postmates or something, you know, I'm just like, that's great. If you guys have all this extra money, would you like to fund my egg freezing experience? <laughs> you know? And it just felt really out of reach. I had a doctor that pulled me aside. and He's like, you really need to think about it. And I was very, very angry that he would like say that to me. Like, my Was first he your response. gynecologist? He's my gynecologist. Okay. Yeah. He's like, we got to talk about this because you're getting older and you're single. And I was just like, I was really mad that he brought, I didn't bring it up to him. He brought it up to me. I think he had right. a daughter my age. So he was, you know,
0: so, and do you mind
1: sharing how old you were at that time? When I he- started, oh my God, Sadia, you're asking a pregnant woman. <laughs> um, you can give a, you can give a roundabout. probably started around 34, 35. And then I um froze my eggs. I finally did it when I was like around 37, I was right on the cusp. And you know, every woman's fertility is different, right? but you know, the older you get, the less eggs you have usually or the less quality eggs you have. It's not about quantity. It's about quality you want. But a lot of people think, a lot of people get really wrapped up in the fertility world about how many they have. And it's not about how many, you just need a good egg. Like that's all you need. Um, so, so I started to, I, I broke up with this guy and then like the next couple of days I started talking to fertility doctors. Cause they just, I was standing in the, uh, I was like in the fertility section at CBS, getting some other things. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, you know, I saw like pregnancy tests and stuff like that. I'm just like, what the hell am I doing? And so I broke up with him. I made an appointment with a doctor. I had no idea what I was doing. I went to this fertility doctor. He was like far away. He was like in Pasadena. Someone recommended him to me and I just went. And he was terrible. He was horrible. And he, I mean, he basically said to me, you only have one ovary. Like you're going to need this, 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 and this. It was kind of like a shyster kind of situation. Like I just got in the car and I just started, like I cried. You know, I finally like admitted to myself, like how much I wanted children and how far I had pushed it away from my part of my life because I focused so much on my career and my life in LA. And I just really, you know, I spent my entire life trying not to get pregnant. And all of a sudden I was really having like a moment of realizing of honesty of like, I really want to have a baby and I've done nothing to take steps towards doing that. And I'm getting I'm older, and older.
0: Yeah. And then furthermore, this guy, you're probably in his office and he's taking advantage of that situation. Cause it yeah. sounds like he, that's what he does. Like prey on women who want to be pregnant and tell them all this, you know, these horrible things about their body. So they are so desperate to do whatever he wants them to do.
1: Yeah. And I had, I had reached out, my therapist at the time told me about this acupuncturist and I reached out to her and I told her what he said. She like special, I still see this acupuncturist to this day. She's been amazing and been by, been by my side through everything. Um, and she's like, that doesn't sound right. You know, will you please, like, l- I'd love to meet you, but also I'd love to give you a referral to another doctor. And I went to, um, Kelly Beck at the California Fertility Partner partners and in three seconds she found my left ovaries like a little tmi but it's i have a tilted uterus so they're not in the same place as where everybody else's are
0: ah okay
1: i just couldn't he just like kept tilting the chair further and further back he's like no (laughs) not there it's like awesome but what was important about that is there are so many there's so many fertility things popping up apps and things just so many things that are not like grounded in. You, you need a you need a doctor who wants you to have a biological child, but is also like a wonderful doctor and cares yeah. about you. So um, it's it's hard to it's hard to sometimes find that. <laughs> the baby's like kicking right now, just like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Dr. Beck was that for me. Like she really, you know, she's very meticulous. She crossed. She's very. She's a very. She's an unbelievable doctor. Um. So, anyways. Went to Dr. Beck, and do you want me to talk about the pro- – like, do you want this to be yeah. informative about it? Yeah, okay. totally informative.
0: Okay. So, yeah, you can go in as depth as you want.
1: So I think something that's important to point out about that other doctor is, you know, I went – it's not that you have to go to college to be an intelligent person. I don't feel intelligent right now, I'll tell you that much, as a pregnant <laughs> woman. But – there was so much I didn't know about my body when I started this journey. There was so much I didn't know about my fertility. There was so much that was never taught to me that I never learned. And it was just like, I graduated college with honors. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I don't even know how my body works. Like, it, yeah. was, it was truly a humbling experience to walk through. And you know, on the, now on the other side of it, I really know how it works and I understand everything. And I have people call me, not like, you know, just like other women who are at the beginning of their journeys or whatever, my number's floating around and I'll get like a phone call from some random person about, you know, different doctors or whatever, just because it's so important to get to a good doctor. Yeah. A lot of, when you freeze your eggs, there's an art and there's a science to it. And a lot of doctors will- over kind of like for lack of a better word but overcook them or they'll just try and get too many and overcook them it's not about trying to get like and that's all through medicine and the medicine they have to it's not like if you were to do it you might need more medicine or less medicine I'm super sensitive I barely was on any medicine because I was it affected me so much you know so so you know we did a couple we did a round we had we started it we had to stop because it wasn't working, which was like devastating. How do you know it's not
0: working?
1: Because they they do, you do ultrasounds and they sort of like, they need to sync up your follicles and they're basically like tricking your body into, instead of like every cycle, when you have your period, you bring one egg forward and then you release it and that either gets fertilized or it becomes your cycle. So with egg freezing, they're kind of tricking your body and a woman could have 20, a woman in her 20s could have 40 follicles. A woman in her 30s, or you know mid thirties could have four or six or twenty. It's it's all everybody's different. So it's bringing all of those eggs forward, and they can't. They have to be similar in size. So if one takes a lead, or it's like they're monitoring your. Um, you're doing. You're going in for ultrasounds all the time, and you're. They're measuring. It's like this click click click, click. They measure each follicle and you're just like sitting there waiting. To see. It's the most horrible sound ever because <laughs> waiting to see if they're in sync and if it, you can move forward with this cycle. Because, but what some doctors will do is just move forward with the cycle, but the truth is the cycle's not going to work. So that's the thing about Dr. Beck. And I think sometimes that can be frustrating because she's so meticulous, but she's so honest and she really truly cares I remember her saying to me, I want you to have a biological child. And I was just like, what? Like, I just, none of it, it's the kind of thing, like, you don't understand. It's very easy for some women, and it's complicated for other women. And you don't understand it until you're in it, you know, and until you've had the loss or you've had the frustration or whatever. So I did one cycle. I did not have a lot of follicles. We did, actually, Camille picked me up. I was single, you know, so. (laughs) Camille's our
0: mutual friend. That's how we met. Yes.
1: And actually, I think this is around
0: the time I met you because at the time, like, well, I met you before, but this was when I really knew about, started to know about this process for you because this is when I was teaching and I remember you coming in and saying you were doing this.
1: Yes. And I was also like, I'm super sensitive to medicine. So like, you know, I was bananas. Like I would like put my pants on backwards and like, like I just totally was like, it was like, cause it does mimic like when you're taking, you're taking shots and you're taking, you know, all these different things. And then you're also acupuncture can help increase your follicle count. There's all these things your diet can help as a vegetarian for years. I had to start drinking bone broth and doing all this disgusting stuff I didn't want to do, but I did, which I actually felt better from. Um, so I went in, I can't remember the exact number, but let's say I had 12 follicles. Okay. So there's 12 follicles, there's 12 eggs that are in sync, they go in to do this extraction and the surgery they put you under, and then you like wake up, and the first thing you ask, and there's like a room full of, you know, everyone's like in line with like the curtains and all these other women are having it done. You just sort of like, you're in and out of anesthesia, and you like hear how many, eggs, all the other women got, you know, like 12, 15. And then I say to the nurse who I didn't like very much, how many eggs did I get? And she's like six. And I'm just like, Fuck. and I was just devastated because you know, the doctor was like, we want to have like 12. That's, you know, that's and my, again, my count was really low.
0: Yeah. And also it doesn't help at that moment. Like you're hearing everybody yes. else. So it's like, for me, I'm an over, I feel like in that sense, I totally be an overachiever. <laughs> Yes. So that's just, oh, that's so heartbreaking.
1: It's kind of like penis size or something. Like, yeah. you're so like, you're just like, I mean, I literally screamed fuck so loud. Like I was so out of it, you know? Um, And it was devastating. And I was just like, how am I going to do this again? It was not easy for me to do. It was very uncomfortable. And so Dr. Beck's like, we'll try again. We'll do it again. And I was just like, I, you know, I need some time. And And then I actually met I, you know, but she's like, you have to like date, and I was just like, no, <laughs> because yeah. I've been on so many bad dates, and so, but I said fine, you know, and she kind of convinced me to commit to dating, and so I signed up for Tinder. Like that was the. Ex- <laughs> and I, think I put like a, I barely put a you know a profile on there. I love
0: that she's your doctor at this point, but also like your dating coach, <laughs> like your. <laughs> no.
1: Like the reality is, is you still need like the other half of this. Yeah. So, but, um, so Josh was my second Tinder date, thank God. And I, you know, I went in to meet him. I didn't want to go on the date. I got a horrible migraine. I was in the hospital with this horrible, you sometimes if you're this, these details are so annoying. You can cut whatever you want. But like <laughs> if you, your estrogen levels are so high. And then they remove all the eggs. And so it drops pretty rapidly. And if you're prone to migraines, you might get one, but I had never had one, but I got this migraine where like my entire left side of my face was drooping. Oof. And I went to the hospital, it was ter- I did, like dry. I had just frozen my eggs. I could barely see out of one side of my face, my face was like this. And I had to like drive myself to the emergency room because everyone was freaking out because it lasted for so long. So like, if you ever want to feel single, <laughs> that's <is like> the <laughs> recipe do that I was just like it was and then like sitting in the hospital waiting room by myself like advocating for myself it was terrible anyways I go on this date I don't want to go like my face had just recently like resurfaced is like normal and I wanted to like take a fork and poke it in my eyeball versus like going on this date. And I told him I'd come over to his part of town. I'm driving there. I'm like, what an asshole. You know, he made me drive over. I would <laughs> like, to You offered and then you're like, <laughs> you didn't even like <laughs> say no? <laughs> what that would fuck? totally be a move I would do. <laughs> it's like cursing him the whole way there in horrible traffic. And my friend was like, just go have one drink, Jamie. And I'm like, okay. If I die, you know, if he kills me, you have my, you have his picture so you can help find him, you know, like when you go on a date with like you know, all these horrible online dates you have to do. So I pull up to the place and I'm like, this looks really familiar. I know I've never been here. And I turn and I look across the street. And it's literally directly across the street from the fertility clinic. Like, <gasps> I, our, and, and I'm like, you have got, I wanted to leave. I, and like the car, like I had just valet parked my car. So like the guy was like leaving. Like I was just like, no, <laughs> <laughs> like, this is too much. So I'm like, okay, maybe he won't be here. And he'll just like stand me up and I can just go home and say, I did my due diligence. And I walk in and there's just this like super friendly guy. And he's like, hey. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God. And he was so sweet and so nice. And then he's like, "I got us great seats at the bar, and it was literally facing this window that like faced the fertility clinic. Like we were oh looking out at the fertility clinic." <laughs> so, um, on our first date, I'm like, "I just, you know, need to tell you that I just froze my eggs across the street from there, you know." And he thought that was hilarious that I would tell him that on our first date. And um, we're married now. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that yes that that is so crazy yeah i mean we that's like, wrote a, we wrote uh, the first thing we wrote together was a piece that was in the la times about our first date that it was in the la affairs it's, it's it's a very la story you know like it was pretty funny and he's a writer as well yes okay so you Know Josh and I dated for a little bit, and it was you know, it's a very tricky thing to navigate because it can't be like you know, you have to find out if you like this person, you can't be like, Are you gonna have my child? Like, yeah. you know, and um, I decided to freeze my eggs again because I wasn't sure, like, what you know, we were having a great time or whatever, but I didn't want to put like pressure on the situation. I knew I didn't have enough. The problem with when you freeze your eggs, you don't know if they're gonna turn into embryos, you don't know if they're healthy. Like, I have friends who got 40 eggs and none of them turned into embryos. So it's like, you just, you don't know. So it feels like every step of the way is a gamble. Like you, there's no,
0: there's no, um, sure outcome. It's all just like percentages and stats that you are working with. And, but at the end of the day, you're crossing your fingers and just hoping for the best.
1: Yes. Like I know Amy Schumer has been really open about her experience with IVF. She did something like, she also has endometriosis. She did, um, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I think she got 26 eggs, 26 embryos, I think. I don't remember. So she got 26 eggs. A few of those, a nice amount of those turned into embryos. One turned into a healthy embryo. So it's like, you just don't know, you know? And so it's kind of maddening. It's like this roller coaster ride. It's really hard. You have no idea. And you're, you're going into it blind. So you just don't understand what you're heading into. And it can be pretty fierce. And my journey was not easy.
0: So how far into you guys' relationship did you decide you were going to go back and,
1: and freeze your eggs again? Probably close to a year, like, or, you know, coming up on a year. And we, and we, it caused, like, some arguments and stuff. You know I mean? It was definitely, like, an intense thing to have to walk through with someone because I'm, like, trying to protect myself, but also not put pressure on the situation. But there's right. no you know, it was, like, a very, it was a complicated thing that we had to, like, work through. So I did them again. I froze my eggs again. And there was like a bad batch of medicine going around of Breville, which is one of the hormones that you take. And I got a bad batch. And so we only ended up getting three eggs that time because the medicine was, but also was me too. I mean, it wasn't just the medicine, but so we had a total of nine eggs and I just said, yes. So when you, when you work with a medicine that's a bad batch or
0: do they take responsibility for that? Like how We're, does that affect it, as what you pay for?
1: I guess. I got reimbursed for the medicine. There was a class action lawsuit, but I was just like, I can't fucking deal with this shit. Like, this is just, it was just, it was devastating. Like I was just like, I can't, I don't want to do this again. Like this is, you know, I was just like, cause it's a thing of like, how much is enough? And, you know, when are you at your, a reasonable amount, you know, like, so we had nine eggs total and what I didn't know at the time, but every time you do the medicine and the hormones, if you have endometriosis, I did not know I had endometriosis yet, you can increase the endometriosis with the medication. So that's part of why I was feeling so terrible because I was exacerbating my endometriosis from um, all the hormones that I was putting into my body.
0: Wow. Okay. So then, with you getting that bad batch, that's when you found out that it, it revealed that you had endometriosis. No.
1: So, Dr. Beck was like, you know, I think I had a follow up appointment with her. And I wasn't really sure where things were going to go with Josh and I yet. And um, I happened to have my period when I went to her. Okay. And so Okay. So, here's a little background on the Fox family period situation. Like, when I got my period when I was. <laughs> There's a whole situation. Yeah. There's a there's a family lineage here. When I, I got my period like two weeks before my 13th birthday, which I begged my mother to let me say I was 13 because I just wanted to be a teenager, and she said no, and so I had to say I was. Tw- I, my god, I was 12. I was wearing a shoulder padded sailor sweatsuit, which um, <laughs> not sure anyone else wore that. I I wore that. Um, it had like double breasted buttons on a sweatsuit. Anyways, um, so when I got my period, my mom was basically like, you know, congratulations, you're a woman, and now you're going to be in, like, so much pain. Like, everyone in our family, when they have their period, it's excruciating, but that's just how it is. So I sort of, like, presented this information, like, this is what it is to be a woman. You are going to be in excruciating pain. So I just was like, okay, that sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, not the most empowering words to give to your daughter, but, um, but it's what she knew, you know, it's what her mother knew. And my mom had a horrible periods and it was just, she dealt with it, you know? Um, so I was in a lot, I was always in a lot of pain and I just, the older I got, the more pain I was in, it sort of felt like someone took a knife and put it on a drill bit and just sort of like turned it on throughout the day. I mean, it felt like a stabbing pain all day long. And there'd be days where I was at work and I was driving. I just have to like pull over and just like bite the steering wheel because I was just like in so much pain. And I never complained about it because I was just like, this is what it is to be a woman. Like, I mean,
0: that was completely normal.
1: I just thought it was, I don't think I thought everyone had that, but I just thought um, it was normal for us. Like, this is what I had to deal with. I didn't know that there was relief. I didn't, you know, I tried Advil. That didn't really work. Like nothing really works. And so I just sort of, you know, quickly got coping mechanisms to go through pain. I started meditating, all that kind of stuff. But it was, it was excruciating. And also I didn't look, you know, I was pale and I was just very like, you know, I was in, you could tell I was in a lot of pain. So I was at Dr. Beck's office and she's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I have my period. And she's like, well, you look like you're in so much pain. I'm like, yeah. And she just stopped. I could see the wheels turning in her head. And she's like, I think you have endometriosis, like the low count of your eggs and seeing you in this much pain, like that's not normal. I'm like, what? Because <laughs> I, I did go to my gynecologist about it a couple years earlier. And she, my gynecologist said to me, I no longer go to this woman, but she said to me, um, you know, there's a surgery, but you don't want to get into that. I'll write your prescription for extra strength Advil. And I said, Ugh. don't worry. I said, don't worry about it. And I just never did anything about it. So she wrote on a sticky. She's like, you need to go. She's like, she just knew because she had been inside. She had seen, you know, everything. Endometriosis, you cannot detect if you have it from an ultrasound. The only way you can detect if you have it is sending after the surgery, they send off a sample to be tested. So only after you've had the surgery can they diagnose if you actually truly have it. Oh, wow. And it affects one in 10 women and one in takes, 10
0: women okay, okay
1: one in 10 women have endometriosis it, the number's probably even higher um because you can have it and not have pain too but it's a, it's causes i think it's like a it causes 50% of infertility and women some women don't know that they have it and then also um it takes 8 to 10 years to be diagnosed it took me I think like 26 years to be diagnosed. And I would, you know, ask questions along the way, but I was always sort of just like, you know, it's fine. It was kind of considered this like housewife's disease, you know, like in the fifth, like a boredom, like they were just complaining about pain. No one ever took it seriously. And it's just this horrible disease that affects so many women. Um, So I reached out to this doctor at Stanford hospital and um, had the surgery and the pain was gone. Just completely gone after right the way. Oh wow! I mean, I was like, "This is my period! <laughs> like, I was like, this is amazing! Like, you." Feel I like- imagine
0: you that first period, like skipping down <laughs> the street, like kicking your heels, rolling around
1: in grass. Like this is what everyone else you like. You don't have to drag yourself out of the depths of hell every morning and like put on a, a happy face and like go about your day. So I felt amazing. And then Josh and I just decided, we're like, should we like try to not try, you know, like, should we just, and I was pregnant in, I think we got pregnant within a month or something. I mean, I got pregnant right away and I had never been pregnant before. Um, I wonder if maybe I had been, but it didn't, because if you have severe endometriosis or endometriosis, if it's endometriosis, I always picture it like, you know, when the dandelions, like when they have, what is that? When they have all the seeds and the white and you just blow it. Oh like, yeah. It's just, it's wherever it lands. And it and the way, yeah. Yeah. And so the way that it just, the, your level of pain depends on where it lands in your body. It can also connect organs together. It causes a lot of like other problems, GI problems. Is it GI? What is it called? Gastrointestinal? Yes, saying? like stuff like that. It's connected to endometriosis. There's all these things. So it's crazy, Sadie, and it really is. like because it's a woman's disease like I feel like it's been ignored for a very very long time it was um Lena Dunham started talking about it she had a piece in the New York Times and I read it and I'm like I had I looked up the picture of it I looked it up online I googled it It was just like a woman like in so much pain I'm like oh yeah I have that (laughs) like I know that face (laughs) I didn't even read it I was just like there's this like ridiculous illustration I'm like yeah
0: you recognize that particular (laughs) look of pain (laughs)
1: so we got pregnant right away and I mean we were just like I was just like oh my god this is insane because it it clearly had probably been the endo that was prevent you know that it had never happened before and not that I ever tried before so we were pregnant went to the doctor like And my, I don't know if you want all of these details, but the first pregnancy, I was actually pregnant with twins, which um, my estrogen levels were so high. I had to have like a very early ultrasound. what we saw was I had what's called a vanishing twin, which a lot of women have, but they don't know they have it because it's so early in the pregnancy.
0: I've never Um, heard of that.
1: It's basically like you have twins, but one makes it and one doesn't. Oh, okay very common um but i actually saw it because it was we went and had a very very early ultrasound so you could see the embryo and then you could see this little one that just wasn't going to make it but it still increased my estrogen increased my pregnancy hormone and all that stuff so then when i um it but then it like screwed up all the other tests or we thought it was screwing up all the other tests because the dna from that other um embryo was still in there so like all my tests were coming back inconclusive like all the stuff and we were like a week away from like announcing that we were pregnant and I had this like, hor- I meditate regularly and I had this um, horrible meditation where it was just like, I, I felt like the baby was drowning. Like it was just, it was terrible. And so kind of following that instinct, it's always like, it's an instinct or neuroses, but that really felt like instinct. We went to the specialist and had, and like the the doctor that we had before who I didn't love, but she was just our and I just stuck with her. She's like, off the record, the baby looks great. The baby looks fine. And I just am like, something's wrong. I just started really feeling like something was wrong. So we went to the specialist, um, Tabish. She's been around forever. And he did this ultrasound and it was taking forever. And then I saw the nurse turn her back to the doctor, like to the ultrasound. Like I'm like, wow, like something is really wrong. Like she was done, you know what I mean? She just was like, and he didn't speak the whole time. And then he stopped and he was done. He said, you know, please put your clothes on and meet me in my office. And I said, is a baby okay? And he's like, we have a problem. And I just remember like putting, like I couldn't even put like, Josh like had to zip up my dresser and we, my dresser, my dress. and I was not wearing a dresser. <laughs> And we but had to it felt walk, the dress like, probably felt that heavy at that point. It felt like a dress, yeah. a full dresser of clothes, and we had to walk like a door. It. it just felt like eternity, you know. And he said, "You know, it was, it was sort of the reality of being an older woman getting pregnant. The older you get, the your eggs, the quality of your eggs go it goes down." And I think there's these three different um, chromosomal abnormalities that are very common that women can have. Once you turn, it's like one in 40,000 when you're 20, when you're 40, it's like one, I was 39, I think at the time, it's like one in 40 chance. I mean, it was just, he just, we watched him do the, the the go down the chart with his finger and he's like, but if you're 40, it's one in 40 chance. We're just like, like it was just horrifying. And he said, this baby is not compatible with life. So it was horrifying. You know, like it was just like, It was everything I knew, but I- And not compatible with life. What exactly does that mean? Is that just- I think it can mean a lot. I think it can mean a lot of different things. Um, We, you know, he kind of made that decision for us in some way. But by the time we had to go and have, I could not get in with a doctor to have a DNC. So I had to walk around pregnant for like over a week, like knowing that this baby was not going to make it. You know, I mean, it was like, it was just- and I was still pregnant, you know, like it was just terrible. Um, and when we went in for the surgery, this doctor, we didn't know came in on her day off to give us the surgery. It was unbelievable. Like, you know, she was just incredibly generous and, um, the baby had already died. So it, you know, he knew something, he thought it was going to be trisomy 21 or something like that. Like one of the more common ones, what it actually had, because we did a biopsy what it actually had was, um, I might be pronouncing this wrong, but triploidy, where it's like every chromosome has three chromosomes instead of two. It would be like the heart would be on the outside of the body. Like the head would never, you know what I mean? Like there 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 are people that carry that to full term, but the baby will live for days afterwards. Like it literally cannot live. And that was just, you know, incredibly... It was just terrible. I mean, I, it was, I can't put it to words. Like I couldn't, you know, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't, the house felt smaller. It was just so empty. There was just like so much hope. And all of a sudden it was just gone. And, um, it was really, really tough. And I think I was like, all right, let's get that. Let's just do it again. You know, we'll just get pregnant again.
0: So you, you feel like you bounced back it, it, even though i mean that's a horrible experience you feel like you bounced you were just ready to get back on the horse right away
1: I think i was crazy
0: <laughs> I, <wanted laughs> well, I, I was trying to be nice but I, yeah there's a little I, I, I what Sorry. i said yeah there's a, there's a little craziness to that but I, I guess what i'm trying to get to is like in your mind at that point was was it just you felt like you had to at that point was it just a just a get it together and get it going Or did you, was there a sadness
1: in you that was so sad that you felt like you were, you just needed it to be replaced? I think it was both. I think it was both. I think you want to like wash away this pain that is like, I've had a lot of loss in my life. I've had a lot of pain. I've had a lot of struggle. Like besides endometriosis, just shit that my family has gone through and, um, you know, my brother's been through hell and back again he's doing great now but he's you know been in and out of prison and like all like i've i've i i know like dark days yeah i never experienced loss that wasn't just like my own you know like it was this was josh and mine together Mm -hmm. and it just felt i felt responsible i felt um i just wanted it to go away i wanted i wanted to kind of like I think there is that feeling of like, you want to replace it. You want to just know that like, everything's going to be okay. I think I was desperate. I was like, I'm getting older. This is terrible. And you know, mind you, we had these nine eggs in a freezer, but we got pregnant naturally. And I just really wanted to get pregnant naturally. I was like, I want to do this on my own. I don't want to use those eggs. I mean, like I was out of my mind.
0: There's also this pressure I feel like from society of like the idea of a woman Doing it naturally and not needing help, it makes right. you more womanly. It makes you more feminine, in charge of your body that you wield all this power. But, you know, it, I feel like in in certain circles, people just put a higher price on that when it's not necessary. It doesn't really okay. matter how the child comes into the world as long
1: exactly. as exactly. And I think there's judgment on it too, of sort yeah. of, well, is this really meant to be? But the reality is is endometriosis damages your eggs. So I have this disease that like directly impacted my fertility. And I feel like I spent so much of my life just trying to be like an equal, like not being like, I am a woman and I'm a, you know, I like, I, I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about being a woman. And then I, I, that sounds insane, but I just sort of like, did things. It wasn't, I'm doing this as a woman. I'm just doing this as a person. And, and all of a sudden, like everything about being a woman is being attacked. And I just felt like I needed to, I, I pushed my, my way that I used to handle things was to push through yeah. until you got there, you know, which is not very feminine. Like there's, you know, <laughs> like you're, you're supposed to soften and open. And I was just in, you know, I was just so scared and terrified that, um, my life was passing me by and I was going to miss this. And this was something that I was lying to myself about how important it was to me because I just was so focused on my career. And I think a lot of women st- suffer from that. Like we're, you know, we, it we can't necessarily do things in the same order as what men do. Like some women can, but not everyone can. And I think yeah. it's something that the conversation around understanding your fertility needs to start when you have, when you get your period, like to totally. understand how this works and, you know, um, we're having a daughter, and I've got big plans for her when she gets her period, like, we're gonna talk about all of it.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, going back to what you were saying about, you know, considering yourself intelligent, and not kind of intelligent. being, <laughs> well, yeah, pregnancy takes a, it, it chips away at a, 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 out of that a little bit, but the idea of Hey, you know what? I know myself. I know about these things. And then realizing you don't know as much about your body as you thought you did. And I had that also. And it just really goes to show that how little of our reproductive system is really focused on in school and health. Like there are just so many things I didn't know either until I was decided I was going to get pregnant and have a baby. And I feel like all, every woman enters that at that point. And that's like way after the fact, like that's the least, like you said, right when, you know, you start to develop or have a period, that's when that conversation needs to happen. And I'd say most of us right now, most women never have that conversation.
1: And there is so much information about our health connected to our fertility. It's not about even having a child. Like mm-hmm. understanding your fertility and understanding the proper nutrition you're supposed to be, it affects your mood. It affects your health. It affects it is the barometer for our well-being. And we're literally taught to ignore it. Like it's, you know, there is information in how your period goes every month about the health of what's happening. And all of these things are are just like literally, if we just turned into that and listened, tuned into that and listened to ourselves more and knew what to look for and to understand the whole, pro- the, literally the cycle of life is like happening through us and we can, you know, it's information and it's like being hidden from us. Like I still remember learning about like the one day we learned about periods in school or whatever, like our, our our overall holistic health is connected to our fertility as women. That has nothing to do with wanting to be a, chi- have a child or whatever. There is, you, you have to, you, the more you know about and understand it, the more empowered you are, you know? So, um, but I was just like, I mean, the law, lo- I never had had a loss that big. Also, like we literally were about to announce it. Like it was just, it, it was really, really sad and sucked. And then, having to walk around pregnant and like not being, and the whole thing around not telling anyone you're pregnant, this whole, like, I really think that that is um, detrimental to women because miscarriage is so common. It's obviously more common the older you are, the, the higher percentage you have of having a miscarriage. And usually it's only one, but, um, and it can be too, but like what happened with me is a little bit different, and a lot of that is connected to endo, but um, and my age. But I just think you're you feel like shit, or you feel you want to share it, or you know what you're lying. You're walking around the world lying, and I had to like continue to do that for like another almost two weeks, um, knowing that we were going to lose this baby. Like so, you just go from this unbelievable high to just such a deep, deep low. And but I think that. I think that miscarriage in some way needs to be more normalized. I really, I feel like it's part of being a woman for many women and it shouldn't be this thing. I think it's, it's our body doing the right thing. It's, it's rejecting a pregnancy that is not healthy, you know, that isn't going. And, and it took me a long time to understand that. So we got pregnant again, three months later, and we were so excited And I, you know, we went into our first, I'm like, this is, we're good. You know, like everyone at like, you know, all my friends have had one miscarriage. Like this is no big deal. I also, that's another thing is I didn't know some of my friends had had a miscarriage until I shared with them that I was very open about it. Yeah. And I'm like, how, how are women walking around with carrying this burden or this sadness and having to move through it so alone? I just... I just was like, wow, that's really not fair. <laughs> like, we yeah, should be you know, prepared.
0: that's a really good point, because I feel like in the the early parts of pregnancy, there's this and I did it. You know, there's this idea of like, don't tell anybody, you know, until you know that everything is going to be OK and then you can share your happiness with the world. But until then, you know, it's you got to keep it on the down low. And so I feel like although, you know, I've never had a miscarriage, I feel like what you were saying about having that high of like knowing you were pregnant, but not being able to share it even at that point with anybody. So it makes that moment even worse when that happens. And then you still feel like you didn't share the beginning of it with them. And now you're sharing the sadness and it almost makes you feel like you shouldn't even share the
1: sadness, right? That's why I think there needs to be some normalcy around it. Like it's great women who don't have them, but a lot of women have them. And I just think it's, it's just, I also think, you know, oh my God, you know, this has nothing to do with being Jewish other than like cultural, like a Midwestern culture, like being Jewish from the Midwest. But it's like giving something the evil eye or, you know, you're like poo-pooing it if you say it out loud. And it's like, that is not real. Like we don't. (laughs) have the power, um, to do that. Like that is putting, that's, that's actually saying it's my fault that I had a miscarriage. If I went and like shot up heroin and did meth and whatever, when I was pregnant, then yes, yes, that would be my fault. (laughs) But that's not what I did. I was drinking bone broth and doing all this disgusting shit that I did not want to do, but did it for, you know, for the pregnancy. And, um, and by the way, many people who shoot a heroin and meth still have a healthy baby. So, it's, And that goes
0: to show there's no rhyme or reason, you know? Right.
1: So anyways, I we got pregnant again. We were like so excited. We go to Dr. Goldberg. Dr. Goldberg
0: is my doctor as well. He's <laughs> everybody's
1: doctor. High five. He likes to give high fives. Um. So we go in there. The technician does the ultrasound. I immediately know, like, I'm like really good at reading nurses now. I'm like, so she's like, let me go get the doctor.
0: And she said nothing to you except just, I'm going to go get the dog. Yeah,
1: she said, let me, and, and Goldberg walks in and I'm just like, oh, this is, and Josh is like, Jamie, it's fine. It's fine. Everything's okay. And I was like really nervous. You know, you start to have like PTSD from this and, and it wasn't fine. The baby was not growing properly. The heartbeat was okay, but it wasn't, it was really behind in growth. And so I said, I was just like, what? this is i thought it was only supposed to happen once like how could this happen a second time and he's like look there's a 50 50 anytime a doctor says to you there's a 50 50 chance (laughs) That means they don't know but by the way (laughs) um, i love how you can like you (laughs) your radar
0: for like bs at this point is just like off the charts
1: he's like you know there's a chance it could catch up but you know let, we just, you have to come back and see. So then you have to like go through whatever that waiting period is, you know, like grow, baby, grow, meditate, try and like, you know, do everything you can to be positive. And um, we went back in and it was not going to make it. And this was very, this was like the first, when do you go get your first ultrasound? Like,
0: oh gosh, I think it was at, uh,
1: for me, what I want to say like six, eight weeks, six, months, no, around six later, weeks. I think it's later I than know. that. No, I don't think they see you until like, I don't think they normally see you until like 15 weeks or something like that. So I don't you know. know. What? You, you it's actually it's sorry. It's so long ago. You might be right. It might be around 12 weeks. I think you're right. I can't remember exactly, but it's like
0: very early in the pregnancy. Yeah. And
1: now that's now what that
0: I think about it. I call, I remember when I got pregnant, I called and then they told me I couldn't come in until a certain amount of time. They were like, Hey, yeah. like you took the test. Awesome. Come in at this. And I was like, wait, that's a long time. <laughs> but yeah. I think it was like closer to like maybe 12 weeks weeks. Something like that. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah.
1: So it was early. The baby wasn't going to make it. I had to have a DNC. And um actually no the heartbeat. I mean the baby it was no longer there was no heartbeat. It was done. You know, so I had to have a DNC and I remember I wanted to go under for it because you have a choice of like going under or being awake and I was just like I want to go under. This is just too much pain. I can't, you know, this I was so sad. Like I was just like I can't I don't want to be present for this. And as I was like going out Goldberg said to me, next time we're going to be in a hospital together, it'll be to give birth, you know? And I just was like, so touched by that and like cried and passed out. (laughs) And I woke up and it it was over. It was horrible. I mean, now Josh and I are just like out of our minds and like our own ways and men go through it in a different way than women, you know, like, I mean, not all men, but that my experiences, they, at least my husband processes them when we weren't married yet at this point. So then we get pregnant again, (laughs) like three or four months later. This is like all natural. And we were going to do IUI and we got pregnant. And what's the difference between IUI and IVF? So IUI is like they take the sperm, they like spin it, clean it, take the best sperm and inject it into you. So, that you're kind of giving, although unfortunately most of the time, the problem is with the embryo, with the egg. I'm sorry. Most of the time the, the problem is with the egg. Um, because men, sperm regenerates every 90 days. Blame it on us. Right. <laughs> We're born, we are born with all the eggs we are ever going to have. Like, isn't that crazy? Like it's yeah, crazy. Your grand, half of your grandchild was in your body, <laughs> like, you know, like it's just, um, it's unbelievable. So, um, but we got, we weren't trying, whatever. We obviously, we know how a baby's made. We were not (laughs) being like super careful, but we got pregnant again. And this time I was pregnant with Camille and I, this, you don't have to put this on the thing, but I had a miscarriage right before her baby shower and then had to like throw her baby shower, which was like, seriously, if you want to make someone crazy, like that is the recipe for just out of my mind at her baby shower.
0: But I remember that. I, my- I, I remember after, I, I didn't know all that was going on when I was there.
1: I feel like I to- I can't remember. I just like kept holding Izzy and like trying to get my shit together. Cause I was like losing my mind. Ugh. It was really hard. I probably shouldn't have been the head person in charge of her baby shower. But, um, so we got pregnant again and the same thing happened, you know, go to Goldberg's and I'm just like, Oh my God. Just, I just couldn't believe that it happened three times. It was just, I heard of one, I heard of maybe two, but you know, I thought third time was the charm. And and in between all of that, Josh and I also got engaged. So we got engaged and then we got pregnant like the third time. And I was pregnant at the time with like a very close, like one of my closest friends and our babies were going to be like a month apart. I actually had a dream when this friend was six weeks pregnant, that she was pregnant. And I emailed her and I'm like, I had a dream that you're pregnant. And she called me I didn't know I was pregnant yet, but I thought I, I have like this pregnancy radar. And um, I know she, this story. <laughs> he's like, um, I'm six weeks pregnant. Don't tell anyone, but I had to tell you because how the hell do you know that? <laughs> so it was so exciting that we were going to be pregnant and we are kids were going to be like the same age. And this was the third pregnancy and third time's the charm. Yeah. It's all going to work out. And then we went into the doctor and same thing wasn't growing properly you know and i just was like i was devastated but like the devastation at this point i mean i was just like so on another planet and just out of my mind you know um, yeah that that was i was thinking does it does the devastation at this point get easier or worse you feel i think it gets worse because it's more numbing it's not as raw like the first loss was crying i mean actually I do remember I went to like a a bar method class like and there was a teacher there that was like very pregnant and I this was like I just wanted to like move my body and like try and feel better and she did an adjustment on me and I just lost it I had to leave the class and everyone you know everyone knows me there they're like Jamie what's wrong and I'm just like nothing ah! you know I was just like crying and I I just really like I really really lost it I actually went for a couple of Months I had to go on like an antidepressant cause I just really was very, very sad. And it felt very, um, I was like, this it's over. Like, this is like, my eggs are bad. I'm not gonna have a kid. This fucking sucks. And of course we have these eggs in the freezer, but like, I don't want to use them. Cause I'm like, I, I don't I can do it on my own. I can do it on my own ladies. And so um, we had a meeting to check in with Dr. Beck. She wanted us to do another round of IVF. Isn't this story exhausting? Um, (laughs) I
0: think this is all, I mean, it's fascinating and good information. And I think people really need to hear this, that it can't, you are a testament that everything can go wrong and still go
1: right. (laughs) The, the, my life story, the lifetime special, (laughs) not that Jamie Foxx. Um, so. She, and I really, this was like a thing of like, again, this whole thing of like instinct versus neuroses, like is something that kind of, I had to like walk and understand through this whole journey. And Josh is very like practical. And Dr. Beck is like, I want to do another round of egg freezing because I just had so few eggs. We didn't know how many were going to turn into embryos and things were not looking good. But Josh is like, you're so much older with these eggs. And you were younger with the other eggs. Like let's just defrost those eggs and turn them into embryos and see what we have. And I was like, no, we have to do what the doctor told us to do. And I started to do the egg freezing again and I started to get really sick from the medication. This is before I knew that the medication can increase your endometriosis. It could, you know, also endometriosis doesn't ever go away. They remove it, but it can come back. So it's serious. Oh, I didn't know that. It's so mean. And my periods were getting worse. I was in a lot of pain. I knew it was back, but I was just like, I'm not admitting any of this, you know. Um, I did, I think I reached out to the head of my doctor who did the surgery is unbelievable. His name is um, Dr. Najat. He's out of Stanford Hospital. He is on the front lines for women with endometriosis, and he is truly, truly extraordinary. Um, All of his brothers are also endometriosis doctors. They believe that his mother may have had endometriosis and they all went into studying. They're all like these surgeons that, that are, I mean, it's, they're extraordinary.
0: Oh, wow. That's incredible. They've, they've decided this is their life's work.
1: It really is. And he started the worldwide EndoMarch too, which has brought a lot of attention to endometriosis. Um, so I started doing it again. And this was like a major bone of contention with Josh and I, because he's seeing me feel like shit. He, in his mind, he's like, we don't know what you have in these other eggs and you're hurting yourself to do this, you know? So we decided, like mid-cycle, we stopped because I was just already in so much pain and I'm just like, what are we doing? And I really saw his, what he was saying to me. And it was like, you know, cause Josh is like, he's also one of the first people that ever said to me, you know, Jamie, your mental health is more important than your job or, I was like, what? <laughs> like, like, was just like, What are you talking about? Like, aren't, I think I really do think endo, gave me this really high threshold for pain in my life, emotional, physical, whatever, where I just always pushed through things. And I stayed in things too long, just like the pregnancy journey where I was like, no, I mean, like I will keep going, you know, I will just keep going until somebody like rips me off of the, the route and shakes me and like slap me, slaps me upside the head. And I think that that's what this has taught me is just sort of like, sometimes you just have to stop. And sometimes
0: there is a threshold.
1: Yeah. And you, you don't, keep, to keep going doesn't make you strong. Sometimes it can make you quite stupid. Like you have to, um, you know, I just always thought the more pain you could take, the, the better off you were, the stronger you were. Cause that's how it was sort of like set up for me. And endo just really reinforced that physically yeah. for me. So anyway, so we stopped and I remember we had a meeting with Dr. Beck and she, and I said, well, maybe we can try one more time. <laughs> naturally. And he said, "I am not comfortable with that. I'm not going to watch you go through this again." You know, and I was just so devastated when he said that because it really felt like it was an attack to me. It wasn't. It was him supporting me and being yeah. like, "Girl, you're being crazy. <laughs> like, let's," you know. So then we we did the. Um, we actually got married a, like right around then because there was like there was like a period where we had to wait. And there were no tests to take. There was no bad news to get. And so I planned our wedding in 28 days. And it was like the best day of our lives We had a really <laughs> small wedding. And it was so much fun. And there were 30 people there. We got married in our house and we walked to our friend's restaurant to oh God, um, so have sweet. a party. And it was just, it was. I
0: didn't know it was that small. I knew it was small. Oh, yeah. I
1: didn't know it was like that small. And it's really that's small. Amazing. We have really high ceilings in our place. So we were able to like put a hoop up and my friend from college married us and we found a rabbi online to like sign the ketubah with us, which is not even a thing, but we did it. So we felt Jewish that moment. (laughs) Um, it was beautiful. It was, it was, and I've always, and I've always gone through these things in my life. I'm like, everything has to be a big deal and meaningful and perfect. And we had a huge engagement party and it was one of the worst days of my life. Like it was just, it was just too much, just all this obligation and all this stuff. And with each loss, it just kind of like chipped away at this idea of what things should be and started to get me to realize what things were, and then what's important, and what was important was to marry this man that I loved that like I mean, and our vows were like we were both like crying so hard because it's like, I literally know that this man will hold me up when I can't stand and yeah. like you know it yeah. was um. Our wedding was truly about what it should be about, not about you know, how many people were there and how perfectly straight someone's bow tie is or whatever. Like We just didn't give a shit and it was great. Um, so it was a huge lesson for me. And with each one of these losses or experiences, like I feel like I've gotten closer and closer to who I really am versus what I think I've been carrying as what expectations should be or what something should look like or whatever. So we defrosted the eggs and we had their nine eggs and eggs are not as strong as embryos when you freeze them. So there's a chance you're going to lose some in the defrost. So they defrosted all nine, eight made it through. Then you have to wait, then they have to turn them into embryos and now they grow them out five days. They grow them out. The reason why people who did IVF in the past had multiple births is they would put more embryos in because they didn't know if they were viable or not. So it was more of like a Russian roulette or whatever crapshoot, you know, to see like I have a friend who has triplets from IVF. I was like horrified of having twins. Yeah. <laughs> it can still, I couldn't do it. No, the embryo can still also with, with IVF, sometimes the embryo can split and you can have identical twins, which I was also like, I was but that is like whatever. Whatever it's gonna be, it's gonna be. So you have to wait two weeks or something. No, okay. They do the they grow out the embryos. Four turned into embryos, which is a really high percentage because we only have 50% turned into embryos. But then they have to take a cell from each embryo, refreeze the embryos. Then they send the cell off to some lab in like Las Vegas, which, you know, I wish it wasn't in Vegas, but it is. And they test the embryos for any genetic abnormalities. Okay. I mean, they test it like, is this kid going to go to Harvard? Like what's going to happen? You like find out all this stuff. That's kidding. They don't do that. But they, they tested for everything. And of the four, three were healthy, which were incredible numbers for how few eggs that we got. Remember I said, you know, some women get 40 and like none of them turn into embryos. Right. right. So it's just like the number doesn't matter. It's the quality, the quality, the quality of, um, how they were retrieved and how they were kind of like cooked by your doctor with medicine and everything when they were, you know, eggs. So, so we got three and then there is this horrible test that Dr. Beck makes you do that is like, it takes that you have to go back on hormones and you do shots and they test to see if you have endometriosis, if it's back, if it's in your uterus, because if you have endometriosis in your uterus, it could reject the pregnancy
0: right and you'll be back to to point one where you were before
1: and the embryos are so precious as you know what we've gone through to like create those three healthy embryos so i do the test i get the call it's back and so i'm just like crying and spalding my dog is like you know circling my legs as i'm like standing there crying but i knew it was back i picked up the phone i called my surgeon and he got me in, he was about to go on vacation to like India. He, it called him on a Monday. I was in Sonoma, not Sonoma, where's, I was at Stanford Hospital in Palo Alto. Um, I think my surgery was on Thursday that week. And, and the endo had come back. Again, you can't tell until you're really in there. It had come back. And then we did, I, we had to wait like, I think two months because it took longer for me to heal from that surgery. It was really, for whatever reason, that surgery was harder for me. And we did the IVF and then we're pregnant (laughs) with a giant baby, a really big baby. (laughs) It's unbelievable. Like they put the embryo in, you can see it on the screen. They have like a, a window where it's into the lab where all the embryos are stored And they like pass it through and it's labeled. And Josh is, I'm like, oh, it's a drive-through. He's like, they better not mess up our order. (laughs) (laughs) And you see the embryo and then they put it in you and you can see it in your uterus. It's unbelievable. And then you have to keep going back for ultrasounds pretty early on um, just to see if it's, you know, if you do blood tests. It's just like a lot of waiting. And we were pregnant. It took... But it took because we did all those tests, we did all that horrible, like we literally made, I had the second surgery, like, you know. So in five years, if you count all the egg freezing and the DNCs, and that I had seven surgeries in five years. I went from never having had surgery to having seven surgeries, you know. And um, from like totally losing my, like my world just blowing apart um, and, me having to be honest in a way that I've never ever been and Josh and I showing up for each other in a way that neither of us had ever done. We're both nice people, but like that was never, you know, to truly walk through something like that with, with someone else's, you know, you just, you can't prepare for it. You don't know what it's going to look like. And there are days that are so fucking dark, you know, but um, if you're lucky you have a good day when that person's having a dark day and you take turns and you can pull each other through. And that's what I think that these moments can either rip a relationship apart or pull you closer together. And we put in a lot of work to show up to to be there for each other and to be there for ourselves and to really figure out what it is that we wanted. And then we found out it was a girl because we didn't want, you know, we're like, let's keep a little element of surprise because you can pick, but I didn't want to do that. And I I just, I was always like, I don't care. And then when I found out I was a girl, I was like, I'm so excited.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So is this, is this um, going to be your parents' first grandchild?
1: Yes. That we know of. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: I assume they're really excited. I assume Josh's mom is really excited as well.
1: Well, Josh's mom has dementia, but. Oh, that's She says things like, I think about the fetus all day long, because I think she forgets the word baby, but she, she's this this very brilliant woman, so for whatever reason, fetus is stuck in her head, so she talks about the fetus a lot. (laughs) She's very excited.
0: And at what point in this pregnancy did you feel like you could relax? Well,
1: what's interesting is she's coming to us during a pandemic, so, you know, it's like, it's like, survive three miscarriages two endosurgeries and then you get to deliver during a pandemic but um but there's you know i think it's been really important to me to not like i've done a ton of work in therapy and body work i did there's this amazing work called um Mercier. there's this amazing therapy called mercier therapy and it's like pelvic floor therapy because we carry so much emotion and stuff in our pelvis like I've done a lot of physical work, emotional work, Josh and I have done work together, to not carry that into this pregnancy. I had a lot of pain and sadness and everything that I had to let go of. And I thought I let go of it in therapy and then I did physical body work and there were still like some serious t- tears to be shed. So. Um, there's still like regular, you know, there's still regular fears that come along because one thing that they never tell you about pregnancy is there's so many things that can go wrong along the way. It's not like, you know, you're just, there's so many tests and so many things and this should happen and that. And, and um, but I think that I'm much more relaxed too because what I realize is like, it's out of, the, the part that's in our control is taking good care of ourselves, having a strong mental health, practice and support and eating well moving your body but like so much is out of our control like I feel like the experience of the loss that I've had and sort of the reconnection that I've had with my body through understanding it through endometriosis um, has allowed me to be more accepting and watching your body like watching my body go through pregnancy I've never trusted my body more I was very mean to myself most of my life and my body, just picking it apart and this and that. And it's like through the through the stages of pregnancy and you just sort of see your body develop and it is on its own. Like it's yeah. doing, you know, it's doing its own thing. It's like creating a miracle in there. And it's and unbelievable. And like the line of your, your stomach, like all that stuff. It's just, it just does. And that doesn't happen. You know, it happens for some women. It does. There's all these things that can happen and it's just like, our body knows. And my body always knew, like, if I go back to the first loss, I knew something was wrong at the beginning, but it's just, um, I just, I trust my body and myself more than I ever have. I also understand that loss can happen at any moment and it is devastating. I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but I also know that you get through it and you move through it and there, um, there's this great quote that is actually by Keanu Reeves and I'm going to totally fuck it up right now. <laughs> but it's something about how like loss it never goes away, it changes shape. So you
0: mm-hmm. always
1: carry it with you and it's always, you know, it is have stronger empathy for other people that are going through it or even like being a pregnant woman, woman and knowing other friends that are still trying and struggling to be able to be there for them to Like there's space for all of it. Like it doesn't have to be this. I just think there's so many like taboos and things that we think that we're protecting ourselves from. And I just think that's a massive disservice to women. Like I think we need to all, you know, you can show up for someone in their success and you can show up for them in their failure. And I think that everything that we have been through, everything that my body has been through has taught me that even more. So sure. There's moments where it's like, is this for real? Like is this (laughs) happening? which again is absurd, because if you could see me, it's definitely happening. But um, I just think that, that that there was like a breakdown, a chip away, like this, all with each loss, just chipped away some bullshit thing that I was carrying of what something should be. And then you have to deal with the fact of what is. And now we're delivering a baby during a pandemic, which is 100% bananas. Like we have to, I have to wear a mask while I'm bringing this baby into this world. And it's like, I don't want to carry fear around that. You know, all my friends, a bunch of friends made me masks, which was really sweet. And so there's just different ways that you can feel supported. And I, also I read this great, you know, um, it's a, I don't remember the name of anything. It's about like New Yorkers. There'll be like features about New Yorkers. Is it in the New York times? No, it's like a, I can't believe I can't remember. It's, I can't, it's all these great stories of just people in New York and their stories. And there was a story of this woman who went into labor and she, you know, she felt that the baby was coming. She's like, I'm going to take a shower first. And she said to her husband, like, get the car, I'll meet you, you know, downstairs, whatever. And they're on the way. And her husband looks in the rearview mirror and the baby is like coming out. (laughs) Like this woman is like delivering their child in their truck on the way to the hospital. And I guarantee you that woman had never experienced that before. And yet, she did what she needed to do. So it's like, you see all these women giving birth at the height of the pandemic or during it or whatever. And there's so much, there's so many elements of it that are scary, but you do what you have to do. It's the same thing with the loss. It's the same thing with success. It's the same thing with life. Like you just, you know, we all want to prepare and plan and pretend that we have some kind of control over this stuff. And the reality is, You know, you do what you can. You wear a mask. You protect yourself. Josh is protect. We're being very careful about. You know, we're we're having all of our groceries delivered and all that kind of stuff. And then there's just the part you have to let go of. Yeah. And if you have to deliver your baby in the back of a truck, you'll deliver your baby in the back of a truck. Like you do it. And that's the that's the amazing thing. Like women are strong. I don't know if people know that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they do now. Yeah, you're hearing this.
0: Um, The idea of staying calm. In the storm, like I feel like you have really your entire journey has brought you closer to that, brought you closer to, like you said, you were almost pushing, you were almost. It, it feels like at the beginning you were, uh, what do they call it, swimming against the the current or swimming against the stream, and now you're in this flow. And no matter what happens around you, you have figured out that what's most important is you being centered and calm and knowing who you are and tru- and trusting your intuition. And I think that's going to really, really, really suit you well, especially in pregnancy in this uh, labor coming up and having a child because you don't know what's going to happen when... The- <laughs> Kids yeah. are totally unpredictable. Josh <laughs> and
1: I are like, wait, we still have to raise this kid? We yeah. like, work so hard to bring her here. <laughs> no one's oh, going to come yeah. and pick her up. And- <laughs> um, yeah. So yes, my parents are coming out. They're very excited. They have to quarantine for 14 days um, before they can come and see the baby. So, And they're divorced. So we have to do it. Like we rented a place for a month and they're each taking a turn in there.
0: Oh, good, good, good. So, oh, my gosh. I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited that the story has a happy ending. And I'm excited for the next part of this journey of you being a mom to a daughter <laughs> like myself and just the new discoveries that are going to happen along the way. What is what is the thing that you are now looking forward to being a mom?
1: the joy of it, the, you know, and also like being able to show up more honestly, I think, and not putting the pressures that I had, you know, of being a daughter uh, onto my daughter. Like, I feel like, I feel like everything we have been through, I actually, this is like, I would never wish anything that happened to us on anyone. But Josh and I grew up, we learned so much about ourselves. We learned, we we know how to work together as a team. Like, I think we're just going to, you know, that you don't, I love planning things and I love lists and I love organization and Excel spreadsheets, but like, that's not how you raise a child. So, and that's not how you have a child, you know? So I feel like, um, I just, I'm really looking forward to getting to enjoy this. And, you know, I don't, I, I, in some ways, like, I don't want her to know the journey that we went on because I don't want her to feel like, whoa, (laughs) (laughs) that's a lot of pressure. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh my goodness um so what are you besides creating a human being what have been some things you've been working on in
1: quarantine Are you been writing well the first thing we did well josh and i actually wrote a movie about so we wrote we had a piece in the la times and the new york times about this whole journey and then we decided to write a movie about it so we just finished that and we've um you know Love to see that get made. Um, It's called Whatever After, and it's like a love story through fertility because Josh and I really, like I said, I've mentioned fifteen times, we really grew up. (laughs) Like we really like learned who we were to ourselves and to each other. And so, and I think that moving through the fertility, this that whole entire story, helped us learn that. So that's it's a comedy, by the way. It's kind of like a big sick kind of thing. So we have that. And, um, it's fun to, we kind of discovered that we could write together We're very different writers. So that's been fun to be a good team together. But then also his mother, we moved his mom into a nursing home and she, like I said, I'm not kidding. She left behind 2000 pieces of art, um, that Josh and I know nothing about. And we, during the quarantine, organized all of it, found receipts and invoices and put it to the piece and you know, we've been working on that. So that was really a blessing, uh, a silver lining, I guess, during this horrible time that we had that we both were working from home and we were able to really conquer a thing that felt impossible. And now it's like really organized and wonderful. So, and I do have Excel spreadsheets for that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Where can, and I'm going to, for this podcast, I'm definitely going to provide links to the articles. But, where can people find you if they want to connect with you?
1: I mean, I used to have a website. I don't anymore. So, um, they can call me at two 2- <laughs> You're going to be like Amy Schumer and put your phone number on your, <laughs> here's my number. Uh, no, seriously, if anyone ever want, you can put my email if you want. Okay. I don't know if that's put a bad your- idea. But if anyone has any, you know, one of the, my favorite things to do is to pass along good doctor's names to people on the journey with fertility or endometriosis and just anyone who has endometriosis, like the, or, you know, if they think that they have it to follow that thread and to get help because it, it, that surgery is like, and there's two different surgeries too. So getting the right surgery, the one that your insurance covers is the wrong surgery. <laughs> the, um, there's, a, a, the, the one that I got Really, is substantially more effective, and a lot of women who have the one where they just burn it off. Some I know a girl who had 13 surgeries, and is still in pain. So if you get the one where they actually go in and they remove it, much higher success rate. So, anyways, I would I love for people to reach out to me and to just to be able to give them a shortcut to getting to better doctors and to getting the help because it's changing around endometriosis, but there's still such a lag in time of People getting help, and the earlier you get diagnosed, the better off you are.
0: Well, I certainly learned a lot about it today. I I had no idea that it could even come back. That was news to me. So, so I, I will definitely attach your email <laughs> in the show notes. Not but is there anywhere like do you do you have as far as social medias? Are you on Twitter? Are you on? Oh yeah,
1: yeah, social media. Okay, I am on Instagram barely, but at, at the real Jamie Fox because okay. my name jamie fox um and i've been made fun of since seventh grade and then um i mean yeah I'm, I'm on twitter but i'm never on there at all but um so yeah but is it a bad or what how about just someone connect connects with me through instagram okay and I'm, i would happen we can connect and i would be happy to give more information okay definitely that's probably better. Awesome. <laughs> They're getting like spam.
0: And- <laughs> I will include her Instagram link in the show notes um, so that you guys can reach out to her there if you have any questions about endometriosis and her pregnancy journey as well. And thank you so much, Jamie, for
1: being thank here. Thank you. I-, I mean, I'm exhausted. I'm sorry if I made everyone else. That- <laughs> it's a
0: long journey. I mean, you took us on a ride, but I I like where we ended up. I think it's a journey that people need to know more about. So, I really really appreciate you sharing that with us today. Thank you. It was a, it was great to be here. Y'all, uh, aren't you so unbelievably happy for her and that she came out of this whole process with everything she wanted. She's married. She has a baby. It's healthy. It was, as you heard, a hard road, but she did it. So let that be a lesson to us all that. You know, sometimes it may seem a little bit crazy, but you, you got to keep fighting for what you want. And uh, she gave birth to a beautiful baby girl who was 10 pounds. <laughs> so she was right, that kid was huge. I think her doctor said that it was she gave birth to a toddler. So, yeah. Um so she is now knee deep in motherhood and all of that bliss and sleeplessness and yeah, feel free to reach out to her on Instagram and let her know if you like this episode. And also, you know, while you're at it, why not just head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe if you haven't already to our podcast, rate it, let us know what you think. You can also send me a message on Instagram at uh, that one blank friend or on my personal at Saudi Rashid and let me know what you think about this particular episode. I always love to hear the feedback. And, you know, for this particular episode i think it just really mirrors what is going on in the world right now you know her having a baby during the pandemic and you know i know she mentioned her brother in the podcast and he uh he did pass over uh the past couple months and as jamie has mentioned she has dealt with a lot of loss and a lot of pain but you know, we are all at this point really trying to find our slice of beauty and happiness and love and all that is good in the world. And I think it is something right now that we really individually need to find whether it's within with meditation or just finding that quiet or if it's outward and trying to find it you know some way reaching out to other people or with knowledge however it is however you can find your slice or corner of the world that makes you happy and really makes you whole and also I have to add doesn't doesn't infringe on other people's rights if you can do that then you are in a good place right now you really are so continue to find your light wherever it is lean towards it look into it find that warmth and yeah uh speaking of that also speaking of happiness and warmth that's a weird segue but You guys have been hearing me talk about my solo show and it is coming up this Saturday, November 7th, 7 p.m. PST Pacific Time. Um, But you can watch it from anywhere because it's streaming live. You can watch it anywhere, wherever you are at home. So just think of me if you don't watch. If you do... Go to the show links and click on the link for the tickets and buy one. But if you are busy, just send me some good vibes because I'm going to need it. I'm going to be performing in a theater that is empty to a very small camera, projecting out to you guys in the world. And I hope that you love what I'm putting out. So you guys, you get. We just got to keep going. We just got to keep going, y'all. Keep going. Keep fighting. Stay positive. Stay positive. I love you guys. All right, I'm out.